In today's episode, we speak with Oliver Wellington, founder of Headliner.app. We talk about user interviews, why being part of your target audience's community is crucial to build loyalty, and how to grow a product faster by leveraging feedback loops. You're listening to Strike Gold with Jonathan Kahn and Roy Provarchik. And today we have a special guest, Oliver Wellington. Yes, he is the founder of Headliner. Do you say Headliner or Headliner.app? Uh, we just say Headliner. The The web address is Headliner.app. Um, yeah. But yeah, just Headliner. What, was that just the kind of, you can be honest, it's a safe space. Was that kind of, uh, we want to start a project, we don't have we don't have a free URL, this, this would be fine? That's it's what actually interesting you asked. There's a little bit of a story behind it, so... The URL, I could go back into kind of our origin. Uh, originally, we had a, a mobile app called SpareMin that allowed people to record and share conversations pretty quickly. Like uh, like the tool we're using now, Zencaster, it was kind of like a mobile version of that in some regards. Um, so that we got some usage, but it wasn't amazing. But part of that app was the ability to take your conversation and embed it as a video online. And that little feature from the app was the thing that most people that used it, podcasters, wanted to get more of and were very interested in, you know, the, the promotional videos for their podcast. And so from that, we decided um, to kind of do this little side project around video creation and we hosted some open source code um, that helped people do that. And that actually started growing way faster than our app was. And so we said, you know, there's something here. Let's switch over to, to the video creation. So we decided to, we were coming up for names for this. And um, my brother actually, who was kind of helping us out with some stuff at the time, came up with the name Headliner. We all liked it. However, Headliner.com uh, was owned by someone else already. I think a pretty famous person who buys domains and holds them so like oh really no, oh, i thought you were gonna say like, a famous like, like, uh, like a famous record troll. company or something like <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah it was actually owned by the estate of michael jackson um and they they would not return <laughs> our requests to purchase the domain no that's Are not you the serious? case okay because that no, that, no, yeah, it would so. not be great <laughs> well no. That'd be a great way to end we'll, the story. After right? the documentary, will this be Michael Jackson's worst story? No. Yeah, so he can, we can we can No, but that's really, really, really cool. Yeah. Like, that's really awesome. You know, like when people are looking at the companies and they're thinking, you know, how flexible is this team? Will they be able to pivot? Will they be able to do things? That's that's really cool. That's a fantastic example. Yeah. I also like the fact that it's such an honest story because I feel that a lot of people, especially you know what, especially when their company is still um I'm going to say at the younger stages because you guys are, are growing fast, but I think, but I think you, we're early stage. I mean, we've been around for yeah. a bit like okay. as a team, but like headliner itself is uh, not even two years old yet. And so right. for sure we're early stage. So I feel a lot of people try and kind of create the myth around her. We were thinking about, and, and you, uh, they were trying to kind of create a myth around how they found their product. And you were just very honest. And what I love about this is now that we know you're data aware. So, uh, and you're data driven. This is, this is how, you know, yeah, um, yeah. We're very edu- like our, our team is very tech focused, tech heavy. Like I'm the only person on the team that can't write any sort of code. Um, and so do they laugh yeah. at you? Like, yeah, no, I'm just, I'm just no. they mean about it? No, no, they're um, not mean. I'm no. much larger than everyone else. Um, <laughs> but, uh, they, well, they probably do actually. Yeah. They, they do pick on me, but it's okay. 
yeah, yeah. it's okay. I buy them. I, I have to buy them cookies and stuff whenever we have meetings <laughs> to keep them like. It's kind of like when you see someone breaking into a, a junkyard in the old movies. They throw like a stake to distract the dogs. It's like <laughs> yeah. that's what I have to do whenever I want to have a meeting with the tech yeah. team. I have to kind of like them. throw them totally some distractions. So when I say, "Hey, could you build this?" They're like, oh, "Okay, we were eating cookies when we agreed to that, but okay." <laughs> um, the, the, the funny thing is that as the way I imagine this, when you speak to developers or like into the thing of building a company, so for them like the being the, like a CEO position where you don't code, that's like yeah, just do the CEO, right? Like yeah. like that's the, like the lower you. rank position for them because you don't code. So yeah, just yeah, do yeah. that managerial stuff and you're like fine well we're well technically so you know i have a co-founder is neil uh on our team and he's the he's Mm -hmm. the ceo technically right um i guess i guess like but i would be considered coo but like we've been working together no there's not enough cookies (laughs) but yeah so he can code which which can be dangerous Uh, um but yeah, so we've been so our whole team is actually. Um, I should mention we had a startup before this that we sold to a public company, uh, back in 2012. So we've actually all been working together for a decade. <laughs> so like that's kind of why wow. like I'm kind of just not. We're used to doing this. We kind of are somewhat professionals when it comes to how to do this stuff. So there's not like you know, it's not yeah, like yeah. a glossy like a startup isn't a glossy fun thing. It's a lot of hard work and it's difficult and it you know. It's just right. slog. And so and knowing that, like, I'm happy to just be very frank about how things are. But to go back to your original question about headliner.app, why we picked that domain, um, Google was really when we were looking for domains, right, for headliner, Google, because we uh, actually also own like headlinervideo.com, which isn't a bad domain. Uh, but yeah. Google was releasing the, the top level domain dot app. And, and for some reason, I thought it would be awesome to just be part of google's uh domain and so that's that's how it all happened and then you know it also kind of does confuse people about the fact that we don't have a mobile app yet but it's coming <laughs> so <laughs> but uh yeah can, but that's kind of how can it all, i ask yeah. i know that we know the company but i just like to can, can we can you give an explanation of or like the pitch of what uh headliner is dot app sure uh, sure just wanted you to like to explain to the users because we understand what it is but i would like them to we actually use it Yeah, we use it too. Yeah, so uh, Headliner is an online video creation tool that is made to help podcasters promote their podcasts online. Essentially, you can take a snippet from your podcast or even the whole thing and then turn it into uh, a video with a waveform, captions. Uh, You could have images, uh, slideshows, video, kind of whatever you want and make it ready for, for posting on social media. And so... It's uh just a, it's coming up on its second birthday. Um, well, it's about a I guess a year and a half old, and um, so yeah, so you know it's used by uh, I think we're at like thirty something. I haven't checked in a little bit, but around thirty thousand podcasters are using it, which is a pretty significant portion of all podcasters that are active. Um, yeah, and uh, that's basically it. I mean. You know, people also will use it just for captioning video too, outside of even the world of podcasting. But but the core usage is for for podcasting. Um, what I really love about you being on the show is the fact that I found your product because I was actually looking for that solution. Mm. I was basically we we, we were uh, just started recording, I think, our um, strike gold. And I was looking for somehow to promote this better on social. And at the beginning, you know, we would, we would just just use like a still image, and that would be it. 
And eventually, like uh, when I started uploading the episodes to YouTube and wanted to make the Instagram better uh, and Facebook promotion a little bit better, I was looking for that solution. That's how I found you guys. And I think mm-hmm. you and I connected uh, because I have a weird habit of uh, replying to emails that like the welcome emails that come from founders. So when I like the product, I just reply back. And that's how we started talking. Yeah. Wow. I didn't even know that. Yeah. That's how we started talking. That's a very cool, like, the, yeah. that's a cool suggestion. We also have a matching tattoo. You don't ah, know that nice. Yet. Yes. Nice. <laughs> um, um, no, but, um, okay, so I have a quite interesting question because you said you started as a mobile podcasting app, you know, well, yeah, like a way to share conversations and then, like, um, you said it was kind of a version of, like, Zencaster we're using right now. Uh, why did you choose this space? How did you start focusing on that space? So... Our last uh, company, um, we worked with bloggers, mm-hmm. uh, and this was from 2009 to 2015. And in that kind of you know six year period, you get to know like a community very well. And and blogging was kind of blowing up throughout that whole time period, and it became very like a big market, right? And so back in 2015, when we were kind of looking at starting the next thing, and well, first of all, I'm just a huge fan of podcasting and audio in general. So that's like, that's one part. The second part is I started interviewing podcasters and kind of researching a bit and seeing a lot of signs that podcasting in 2015 was very similar to blogging in say like 2007, 2008, and that it seemed like it was about to blow up. Um, And so it seemed like a good space to be in, right? So, you know, you can imagine if you could get into a space before it becomes enormous, you could have a lot of advantages. And so that's kind of why it was like, first and foremost was like, hey, let's do something in the podcasting space. And then from there, we kind of created our hypothesis around uh, what what people would need. And, um, you know, originally we were thinking, okay, like there needs to, there's going to be a lot of new people that want a podcast, but don't have the resources, tools or understanding and how to do so. And so we said, let's build an app that makes it really easy for people to kind of just dip their toes in and, and see what it's like to record and share conversations and, and, and themselves. Um, and so that was kind of the first iteration of what, what we were doing um, was just around that. And so it was good. I mean, you know, it was kind of a fun learning experience. I think what we really learned is that our team and what we were doing, like, we couldn't get the scale we needed uh, in the time we needed uh, for the mobile app. And so in, in, ter- in terms of like product abilities or in terms of what? Mostly like the, the so going to how we kind of do things like we, we, we push things live a lot, like really fast. And this is what we did with our last company. Like we put in new changes every week and we share them out to, you know, our, our users. And then that, that also like helps us make the product better. But also I've noticed that if, if you actually respond to people, like, just like you're saying, right, if someone writes me an email, I'm going to respond to it. Uh, if someone writes me and says, your product sucks, I'm not just going to say like, screw you. I'm going to say, why does it suck? Like what's, what about it sucks? Tell us how to make it better. And that act kind of actually creates fans for your company and your product. And so hundred percent. And so, and so on mobile, like our kind of issue was that the cycle for releasing mobile apps is a little harder than if you have a web app. So we weren't able to get up to that speed of releases and feedback. Like the feedback loop wasn't fast enough for how we do things here. And so I think like that was the main reason we couldn't quite get it to work on mobile. But then once we switched over to doing headliner and it was all of a sudden we're a web app and people can tell us changes. We don't have to go through any approval processes through Apple or any of that stuff to like get the changes out there. We could suddenly 
be putting out what people want much faster and creating that feedback loop and, and growing? I think there are two things that are very interesting here. One, in terms of, uh, I think in terms of industry trend, because I think two or three years ago, um, there was there, there was a movement of companies who were trying to make like the record a podcast from your mobile phone, and they were think and there was Zcast and uh, there was Anchor. Anchor, Anchor yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that, that Anchor is like uh, well, it was just acquired by yeah, Spotify. Yeah. But I think I think the entire trend of just plugging your earphones and record a, a podcast, I, I think it didn't 100% work. I think Anchor also worked better on desktop. Um, then, yeah. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's I think, a, I think, there's by a way, I think Anchor is better as a distribution platform. Yeah, Anchor for me was a distribution platform, not necessarily. Yeah, we didn't even, we, we, we used Anchor to distribute, but we didn't even, we're not even using this to record the podcasts. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting is what you're like pointing out now is kind of like that the market, all the stuff around the recording is what we really feel we need. I feel, like I feel, I feel the recording materials. We need I feel stuff. like the app would, there's a problem because eventually audio quality and all these things, you, they matter, right? Yeah. Like um, we, when we record with the basic equipment, then we still get lousy feedback on audio and we needed to move for, further in terms of how we record. So people actually enjoy it. And audio you know, I think audio is one of those um, things that matters to people, especially in a podcast, right, where all you have is audio. So if the experience is not good, it doesn't sound good enough, the entire content kind of goes to waste because it's just your patience runs out faster. Uh, and, Zen, and and Zcast and, uh, and even Anchor, when you record through mobile, the sound is not that good. It's better than it used to, but it's not that good. Yeah, now we're in a soundproof room with a mic, yeah. a professional mic. And even now we're doing this, you know, wireless, like, the, how would you say this? Like long distance? Yeah. And we're still also very scared about the sound. But I think that it's a very interesting thing to note that we we are very much looking for the, the materials and things that we can use to share to get it yeah. out there to get more people to listen. Yes, of course, you need to have a good sound, but you just check that off your list and you move on to the next thing. And that's like that's where I, I think that the story you started off with is probably like the best story ever. Just to turn around and say, like we were there, we were giving you the tool to create podcasts, and we all of a sudden realized that what you needed was a way to market the podcasts. Right. Yeah, um, absolutely. And it's also if you talk to, I mean, I've probably talked to like probably around a thousand podcasters in the past couple of years, at least. I mean, like had like in-depth conversations with i've talked to way more and if you want to count just like emailing back and forth and you know people will find the way they want to record and it's very quirky to each person and so it's kind of like there is no one size fits all solution uh for how people want to record so i think like you know the the app stuff is really cool for people that want to you know recording with your phone for example is cool for people that want to just try it out and see if it's something they want to do um, but once you've done that, I, I think most people will graduate to having microphones and a more mature setup, like just like you're saying, because at some point, like the audio quality needs to be good enough to keep the listener's attention. Right. But but what I want to focus on, actually, I was saying that that was like interesting for me uh, in terms of industry trends. But I think the, the bigger lesson you've said and. I, I actually I repeat the same thing when I sp- when I speak to early stage startups is that you have to focus on fast feedback loops, especially at the beginning. The faster you can get feedback on what you're doing, 
the better you're at as, as a company. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, definitely. Right? Um, yeah, absolutely. So, how, so do yeah, you, how did you get that feedback? Like, where, where did the, where do you get feedback right now, even on the product that you have? So right now, it's kind of funny. We have, um, we've tried some stuff, like we have an open a Trello board where people can just submit things they want us to build. Um, but the main way we get feedback now is actually through one-on-one interactions with users. So um, it's through support. Right. And it's through like our support chat, and then also our news. Uh, our newsletter list is about twenty six thousand, twenty seven thousand now. Um, and so, any of those people, like if I say, "Hey, like here's a survey for uh, a new product we're gonna, a new feature we're adding," could you give us your feedback? Like, I'll instantly within a few, you know, within about like an hour, I usually have anywhere from like three hundred to five hundred responses, right? And so, like, and wow. that's enough to kind of start saying, "Okay, like here's." Here's here are some answers. We actually can know like within a day or two what we should be working on, you, you know, and have some signals there. Um, but that's the main way. It's, it's it's nothing too crazy. It's mostly just through our, our current users. Um, we've done some focus groups, usability testing, stuff like that. But um, yeah, it's kind of like it's kind of like the old fashioned way <laughs> in some ways, you know. So uh, um, I want to ask you because we talked about this a, a few minutes before we started recording, and. The numbers you're saying right now for like the amount of feedback you're getting, um, and you guys are in a way you're not really doing marketing as marketing, Mm-mm. am I right? No, that's correct. Like we're not like, I mean, I guess like technically I'm in charge of marketing, but like when you read about marketing itself and and all the things, like sure we're gonna go to podcast movement, like we. Uh, I'll go on podcasts for interviews and, and um, stuff like that. And, and we'll do some things here and there, but for the most part, yeah, we're not doing like a ton of uh, marketing. Right. So, okay. Um, do you think it's maybe it's a vantage point for you with your audience? I mean, you're not pushing any marketing. You're not, you're kind of not preaching them to buy anything in a way you're not, they're not seeing your ads. So the, so the people who find you, kind of feel like they found something that is more like secretive in their own it's more kind of the underdog thing in a way oh yeah definitely yeah definitely i mean the, when people come to use us like they're gonna have a real kind of authentic interaction with us it's not like they found us through some ad and then it's like if they write us they get real responses from real human beings um and yeah they found it most people find us through their friends through referrals so it's kind of, you know, it's nice when they get to us and they like us, they really like us and they're really bought in, which is why we get such great responses to when we do ask for help with, with things. Was that a conscious decision? Yeah. Is Going that a, staying like, away from like every a, person, like, I'm not saying it's wrong because there is something that is lost in the way that, you know, when people just interpret from data or loan without actually talking to users and stuff like that, you're like the, on the other side of that completely was it a conscious decision not to do like a Facebook group or an Instagram community, like building some sort of a community? Like, because your responses to the emails, I mean, uh, to the amount of emails that you're able to send out, people who are subscribed to it sounds amazing. Um, but was it a conscious decision? Yeah, I mean, it's just kind of, um, it's just, yeah, it was, we decided kind of just to start, you know, in the kind of phase of when you, uh, are doing this stuff like it's also just what we know <laughs> you know it's kind of like what we know how to do really well so mm-hmm. it made sense to kind of start there uh big fans of like what zappos did with their users in the beginning stuff like that 
Um, and then, yeah, we have a Facebook group that honestly, like our users asked us to build one. So we made it. Um, but it isn't something that like has become this massive, repo- you know, place and community yeah. for, for people. So, I think like, you know, when people are, Oh, sorry, what were you going to say? No, 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 no. Yeah. I was going to say, I think like when it comes to creating videos to promote your podcast, um, that itself is interesting. I think all the things around marketing, it could become interesting in the community setting. Um, and that's kind of something we're thinking about going forward is kind of creating community around people helping each other with best practices and helping people figure out like for their particular niche podcast, like what's the best way to promote it and here are examples, here are other people I can learn from and all that kind of stuff. Um, but we're still very early, right? Like we're still kind of in that, we're still in that, you know, early stage uh, product market fit feedback loop. Um, even though we're kind of doing very well, like we still feel like we can do a lot better. Like we're not trying to just get like, oh, great. Like, you know, we have like 10 to 20 or 30 percent of podcasters using us. Like we want to we want to be like well over 50 percent of all podcasters use us. And it's kind of like if a podcaster is not using us you know, why, why not? You know, every podcaster, we want every podcaster that's active, which, you know, we estimate to be around a hundred to 120,000 like active podcasts. And like from some of the stuff we've looked at, it's probably around like, you know, it could be a little less than that. That's actually like really promoting themselves, but we want every single podcaster to know about us and to really just be a huge part of that community. And so, yeah. And so part of that, you know, has been just, kind of trying to interact with everyone on an individual basis as much as we can. Um, how did, how did you start? How, how did you get your first users? Like really first. first like, yeah. The very, because you know, there's, there's a, there's, there's a tipping point even there where you start reaching to people, you start going word of mouth, people like the product, but even that starts somewhere. Right. And I think most people tell the story right from the point where stuff gets a little bit more viral or I'm not going to say easy because it never gets easy. Well, there's a difference now, like today, right? If I if I just like didn't show up and didn't do anything, we're gonna get anywhere from like two to four hundred new people signing up every day, right? Like that's just like that's nice. That's like oh, we got to this next kind of plateau where we don't have to do anything and we're getting these users. So and then, and then so you're you know which I get, and you're saying like kind of in the very beginning it was like maybe like first, ten users first 10 a day. People. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. first ten. So I mean, the first kind of group. Um, Part of it was from the app, we had some people that were fans of what we were doing. So we had kind of like a beta group from the app. Um, And then just a question of, you know, we had some bloggers we knew from the previous company that had podcasts now. Uh, And then just reaching out to people that looked like they would uh, be a good match and seeing if they'd try it out. Okay, so, so first step was reaching out to people. You say they would enjoy this. They need this product. You would reach out and say, hey, uh, like your podcast, we're building this and this product that might serve you. You can give it a try here. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Right. That's one of the and ways. Then, I mean, the other thing is that um, simultaneously, you know, re- working with podcasters, we've also, this is kind of a benefit of being in New York City. We, we all kind of have a bunch of connections to uh well, I mean, I guess not tons of connections. We have enough connections to larger companies, uh, like like you know, like SiriusXM, uh, you know, uh, radio companies too. So like, we could kind of work that angle where it was more business development stuff. Um, 
which is kind of helpful because say you sign up like one larger company, you know, it could be like 500, 600 users that are going to mm. be working there too. Right. Um, right. Because they have like all their podcasters and you, you can just, mm-hmm. that's, that's like a multiplier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Right. And another thing is too, is like, you know, the original version was just free. So. Right. Yeah. Oh, other places too. I mean, I actually, I'll say like some good places we found um in the beginning to like kind of have one-off discussions even with people was uh there's some great groups on reddit for podcasting and then there's uh some kind of podcaster groups on facebook where it was a great place to say hey like you know it was like super not promotional but you can just go into the groups and say hey i'm the founder of this company we made this free tool to make videos from your podcast does anyone want to try it out and that would be like that and that would be like you know get a few dozen people to try it out and then from there just kind of it just keeps going the more people come in the more friends they tell and and it just keeps kind of snowballing let's talk about reddit for a second because reddit is one of those places where you either win big or you get banned and somebody tries to kill you as you (laughs) leave your house in the morning right like like there's no middle there you're you can't be just like fine on reddit you either like being ambushed on the street and being getting killed or they just love you and it's one of the best growth engines for young companies there is right mm-hmm. what 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 was your approach to reddit and how did you kind of i want to say infiltrated those communities without without being <laughs> you know uh being blamed being spamming or being promotional or i don't know that's actually a really good question yeah i mean i think i never understand I, how you people yeah. do that I've always found it to be that if you kind of respect the rules and just say up front, like, hey, this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm here to share with you. And if you share something that's like actually giving value to the people in the group, generally they won't be like, this is spam or this is promotional. Um, it's you kind of a fine line. Said, like, you, were you an active uh, like, you know, user on, on Reddit? Yeah, I like tried to post something the first time I ever I was like, oh, Reddit, I, I had heard of it. And like, I'd read some stuff on it, but I'd never really been active as a content producer. But so then I tried to post something and I didn't have enough points. So then I had to like, be active, you know, to like, be able to post stuff. And so I kind of did that for a while. And uh, then it was just kind of natural. So you like trolled people? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, no, just no. I mean, like, I would just answer questions. I wanted... <laughs> like, I know a lot about, like, not a lot, but I know enough about, like, microphones and audio gear to answer very simple questions. So I was just like, oh, okay, let's see if I can be useful then. And, like, I'll be like, you know, someone will be like, which USB mic should I get? I'm thinking between these two. And I'd be like, you should pick this one because that's what everyone else has. You know, stuff like that. But um, nothing too crazy. Uh, the other thing we would do was um i kind of remember doing was like you know like we actually it was kind of a benefit in two ways is that a like i think people like filling out surveys some you know people in some regards people hate filling out surveys right but in other places like on reddit you know i think a lot of times people that are around there might be just kind of using it because they're they have a break at work or they just want to kind of be entertained by something. So we'd put up a survey about podcasting or something like that. (laughs) And so then, yeah, Yeah, people would kind of, I think that people are, when they're passionate about a certain subject, they're like happy to answer a survey. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. And then we'd also try and do things for people. Like it wouldn't be like, Hey, it wouldn't always be like, come use headliner and try it out. It would be like, Hey, we're trying to like create videos. We want to create videos for you. 
like send us if you'll send us your audio clip we'll make you a video and send it back and this is kind of stuff that like you can't do forever because it takes a lot of time but in the beginning you right. can do stuff like that I, I love the fact that you start like that's yeah. a really cool idea though what to offer them to, to do... give yeah even if you did like 10 no you then put it back uh, you give it uh, to people people see it that's kind of like already yeah. gonna get people's attention and you're not you're no longer like it doesn't sound like you're trying to you you know like what I really like about this story and the approach is that I think a lot of companies they don't well they, they kind of grow up listening to other other case studies and success stories and they never focus on this stage the same you do so they kind of do a little bit of like talking to people and then they want to go straight up to let's do marketing and scale even yeah. when we're as, a, as like the product is not ready to scale anyway but they try to scale their efforts because a lot of the time the person who's doing the job uh, in the company is like he doesn't want to have a conversation with 500 people he feels like because it's first of all as you said not scalable but most of the time they're just looking for the situation where they do something that is i don't know let's say cool in terms of marketing versus just like having a lot of um, well, I don't want to say mundane task, but just like like a lot of busy work, right? Like it's a yeah. lot. Of, it's a lot. It's it's a lot of effort to have all these conversations and and it's kind of cool if you think about it because it's like you're what you're two years out of the companies we know, two years no marketers talking anymore to like a startup. Yeah, no marketers talking to their users at this point. They're running forward. They're doing marketing. Yeah, they're, they're focused on doing their the paid data. campaign media. media yeah. Buy, yeah, they're doing acquisition marketing. They're just running forward. And to turn around and still, like, after two years, still have some sort of a connection with the people. That's awesome. I mean, wait, that's do you, wait, do you, do you still do that, the Reddit thing and all that? Or I haven't been doing stuff on Reddit lately, but still, like, interacting with users, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Um, so, so basically, you started with Reddit and all these communities. You were talking there start getting your initial traction and from there was like a lot of word of mouth yeah essentially yeah, yeah. and then conferences like tend to what, what, what's happened a lot is we'll get a our users are the people that like to adopt our early adopters right and early adopters and podcasting tend to also be the people that go speak at conferences so a lot of people will write us and say like hey i'm going to be speaking at a conference i'd love to you know i want to want to make sure like that we have this info right about headliner and we'd be like, great. Like, so we're not even asking people to go talk about us. They're reaching out to us. And, and so then, you know, we'll notice like a big uptick in signups after these conferences and stuff. But, right. you know, it's kind of like, you know, I, another thing is too, the difference between us and other companies is that we don't have like a massive amount of funding. So like, even if we wanted to do some huge paid marketing campaign, we just don't have the money for it. We'd always pick uh, more engineers over, over marketing in terms of what we spend our money on. Um, right. And so that's kind of a strategic decision on our end too, in that, um, you know, if you raise the more money you take in the, the higher you need to be, to be valuable for yourself and the investors. Right. So, you know, yeah, it's kind of like your optionality remains the less money you take, the more options you kind of have. And if you can get yeah. success when you're smaller, you're better off when you do take money in. Yeah. When you have investors on your head and you have to scale really fast, they just want to see more users, more users, more users. And before mm -hmm. taking money, I guess you can be more like product focused and being calm about being product focused. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. And also, and also like, you know, way. what's that? 
it goes a long way because it means that you spend so much time perfecting the core offering of your product that that's where the word of mouth comes from. Oh, yeah, definitely. And the other thing is, like, if the, all the word of mouth stuff's working really well, it means, like, hey, it probably is time to start scaling some more. Um, yeah. You know? And so we're kind of just about at the phase where, like, I think, like, there's a few product changes going in over the next two months that, like, will we could have this conversation again in two months, and I think we'll be doing a lot more um, marketing-related things. What, what are you... Okay, so for... Your first marketing actions, what are you inspecting right now? What are you considering right now when you say we're going to do more marketing stuff? Where would you start? Oh, like in terms of marketing, where would we start? Yeah. So I think like the main thing we have is uh, the, the like I was kind of mentioning um, events have been really good for us in terms of, of users coming in. So uh, I think we'd be attending more events, you know, and, and doing more speaking engagements. Um, I'm going to be doing some talks at uh, Podcast Movement, um, the Mid-Atlantic Podcast Conference, as well as the we're doing a, a session at the uh, ONA. The It's an online news association. They have a, a conference in, in as well in the fall. And so kind of just ramping that up to be at way more events. Um, and then we also kind of have some like engineering as marketing stuff coming out that should be interesting too. Um, can you can you share a few of the things you you have in the pipeline for the engineering is marketing? Sure. So I mean I think yeah. it should be out by the time this airs. Um, so we basically are building like a a tool that people can put their their feed into and it'll test it to see how like it'll kind of like follow from your podcast feed, your website, your social handles, all those things, and then kind of report back as to like how how like promotional kind of ready how promotion ready your podcast is. Like you mm-hmm. know, if your podcast is easily discoverable and all that kind of stuff. Interesting. Yeah. So there's like that. And then, <clears throat> um, but other than that, like, I think we've done like tests with different types of, um, you know, the standard kind of Facebook ads and stuff like that. But I think like the, yeah, we'll probably try those again. Um, but for the most part, I think like, and we just actually released a referral program last week. So if people refer new users, they both get free time in the pro version. Um, but I think like, you know, the main kind of thing we'd be focusing on is I, I think we need to start working on uh, content marketing. So, cause we have so right. much knowledge and information, like, you know, we've getting to a place where we know like what type of waveform is everybody using? Like what types of video, what size video, how long are the clips? Like we have all this data around, best practices for what you should be doing when you promote your podcast that we haven't really started sharing back. And, and I think that's going to be kind of the next wave of stuff is trying to become a, a resource for all types of ways to market your podcast. Uh, as you know, as podcasters, we would be yeah. very thankful for that to come to life. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. Like, I, think, I, think, I think this is a niche that is not really nailed down in terms of like marketing materials. I think podcasting in a way is still like, feels like a very big mystery to a lot of uh, mm-hmm brands and marketers first of all in terms of sponsoring podcasts i think it's one of those things that companies are still i wouldn't say hesitate because there's so much of that going on and like there's i think there's like increase of like i don't know a huge amount of percentage between year per year growth in um marketing sponsorships Mm -hmm. but basically it's still one of the most problematic things to measure 
because a lot of the vel- the value that you get from it is not actually in signups. I think for a lot of companies, there's a big brand uplift and stuff like that, which is very hard to measure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know for some of my clients that they're very hesitant of starting to pr- to uh, to promote on podcasts because the information is kind of skewed, right? There's not there's not uh, any amazing or great solution to analyze how many listens you have per episode and stuff like that so it's like podcasting is an offline um it's an offline format eventually Mm -hmm. um so so i think this area is still very 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 much i remember like what was it three four no i'd say four or five years ago i was at wix and they were saying like we were looking at competitors and we we're looking at Squarespace and they were advertising on podcasts and Squarespace are huge on podcasts. Yeah, they're they're everywhere. They were like, ah, oh, what what is even a podcast? Like they didn't even care. They were just like, you know, this doesn't make sense. Yeah, but I don't and know how Squarespace much leads does really... it bring them versus how much like awareness does it give them. That's the thing. And Listen, the way Squarespace does is they offer a coupon code in the end of everything, so you see yeah, that people but are going to convert. And branding wise, you know, you can. I mean, there's no real fantastic way to check branding that's, wise i mean you yeah. can check how many people you have coming in when you ever when you paid for it but yeah but a, a lot of those it. companies you know i'm thinking of the well basically statistics for podcasting uh is are doing really well i think it says like 73 percent uh ad recall and 64 percent remember what brand was the one promoting on an episode it's like really crazy numbers mm-hmm. um I don't know. I like. I honestly don't have that information to understand how much leads it actually brings them, and is it very cost effective or it's more brand effective. Uh, what I do know that the most surprising fact about podcast listenings is that over seventy percent of people listen to podcasts in their home. Mm. Over seventy percent of people listen to podcasts while at home doing something else. Right? It's funny. You convinced me to start listening to podcasts in the gym. I do it. That's I what know, I do. That's a, if, but I never if, thought of listening. If, in the if, house. if you want an anti-climax of running like uh, like ten kilometers, is listening to uh, two and a half hours of Joe Rogan, <laughs> and with like everything there is like so slow paced because they speak really slow, yeah. and your heart is like pumping. You're like maybe I should listen to something that gives you more energy. No, I, I, I've, I've done that. I feel I felt that. Yeah. Um, I actually wanted to say that uh, when we started, one of the like things I wanted to ask was. Uh, which became like I think absurd at this point to ask, which was that there's a lot of different people doing based on your technology. There are people doing marketing videos and text on videos, text on images, and all kinds of stuff like that from different companies like Legend. I think on your phone, uh, you have Promo, which is computer and phone, and you have uh, Powtoon. All these different companies doing it, and I was actually very interested in why. Uh, I mean, we actually came to you based on the fact that we were looking for podcast marketing video that that squiggly line, that little mm-hmm. like audio thing that, that was the the main concern. We didn't actually find those on the other platforms. And then we found you. Um, but I was going to ask why you chose that specific niche, but now it seems like quite obvious that you guys have it in your DNA at this point. It's like you live and breathe podcasts. So it only made more sense to go and approach them and, and say, here's a solution for you. Yeah, I mean, that's the main reason is it kind of flowed down from our own kind of journey and experience. Um, yeah. Did you think that you would like branch out to another another niche? And if so, what, what would it be? Well, I think like that, you know, I think on some level, like there are people making non-podcast related videos now. Um, and I think like <clears throat> our main thing now is the podcasting world. And over time, yeah, like 
we can grow much bigger outside of podcasting too. But I think it's really important in the early stage to focus on your kind of market and, and stick to it. And that's kind of the main reason um, that we're not kind of expanding beyond podcasting, right? Like we, we were a small team and, and we, we think it's a really valuable market and it's growing. And so we just want to focus on that. I saw you guys kind of did uh, radio station, uh, audio book, which is like close. It's basically, you know, close to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I can totally understand it. It seems really, 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 really smart. I have a, I have a technical question for a second. It's not technical, it's a logistical question for a second that I was pondering about in the last five minutes, mm-hmm. I think, quietly. Uh, so one of the biggest challenges of collecting so much information with in, with interviews and emails and all this is actually collecting organizing and making this information usable for developing better features or improving your products etc what do you use what system do you use to collect all the data organize it and share it in a meaningful way inside your company sure so we kind of have a whole a bunch of different ways but so in terms of emails we get through support we have um We've linked up like our support to our uh, our tech our tech. Uh, we use Jira for managing our tech projects, and so everything's kind of linked together. So that like whenever people email about a certain feature, we link it to a a ticket on our kind of tech board, and then we can kind of measure. For example, we measure how many tickets came in this week. That you know how many people want this feature. Um, in terms of stuff when we proactively go out for feedback, I generally use Google Forms. It seems to be the easiest way. Uh, we also have a Slack channel where if we get any feedback from social media, everything goes into the Slack channel. And then we review that and, and get it kind of into a spreadsheet that we review during our kind of uh, weekly meetings where we review what customers are saying. And you then a weekly meeting where you sit down together and review all this. Information. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then we also, if we're doing interviews, we record the interviews. Um, generally, I'll do the the interviews, and then another person on our team will uh, listen back to them and kind of summarize them and analyze them. So yeah, it's I mean it's definitely a lot of work. Um, but there's other ways to get feedback too. Whereas you know we've kind of tagged the um, the platform with with different you know with all these different kind of. Um, triggers that will let us know how many people are using what feature and in what way. Uh, and then from there we can kind of make informed decisions on things to adjust and, and change there. Okay. So about digesting the, all the information, the feedback you're getting, um, eventually you get a lot of information, complaints, ideas, feature requests, you get all that. How do you, first of all, uh, choose what is noise and what is beneficial information that you're getting? What's it, like, how do you decide what's what? Sure. So, I mean, certain things like bugs, for example, will be obvious blockers that you have right. to fix because like, if you don't every, like, you know, it's kind of like a canary in a coal mine sometimes. Like if you get like five people within 20 or minutes or an hour saying the same problem, you're like, oh shit, yeah. I better look into this because this could be big. Um, so that's easy. Um, in terms of other things, it's nuanced. It kind of depends on larger initiatives that we have uh, and goals we're trying to reach. Like, you know, when we're focusing on, say, like, if we're focusing on user retention, then it kind of puts a different light on all the things we're hearing back. So it's like, you know, are, do, you know, do these, the feedback we're getting, like, um, how can we use the, which things being requested do we think will help with retention? Because sometimes people ask for, like, things like, you know, 
I wish we could make like custom sized videos. Like I want to be able to type in um, the the aspect ratio versus just we give people a few different options for different platforms, which are very standard. And so stuff like that is like, okay, like that sounds cool, but only a few people have asked for it. Other people will ask for like really high level, uh, like, you know, better than like, like high def quality audio for these videos, which like you could do that, but like at some point it's going to be kind of, sampled by the social networks anyways and it, it's not going to sound like you're not going to get like yeah hi-fi. it's going to be compressed anyway yeah like you don't really need like a 30 second hi-fi audio for him you, you know do what you, I mean? do you have like a mess do, do you have like a way that you measure volume or like i remember when speaking to i think it was leo from buffer a few years ago leo Woodridge. um and they basically i think had this scale that is they go both ways you have volume meaning like 10,000 people asked for this feature versus passion. So there were features that not a lot of people would ask for, but the people who would ask for it would be either power users who were really passionate about a feature or somebody with like really, really just a lot of passion to whatever they were asking for. And they were saying the amount of passion that goes into needing this feature is something interesting to inspect. So do you guys have, have any way where you... Um, kind of score prioritize everything you ask you get asked yeah i mean we basically one thing is volume for sure another thing is like who's asking um so if it's like you know if it's like there's like a few different things like if it's someone that we've never that has never reached out before is a little different than someone that's been very active with us um Mm -hmm. also if someone is like one of our enterprise clients right like they're you know paying us a bit of money every month to access it we have to also you know their kind of priorities will will be a little bit different in some ways um but in general yeah i mean we we kind of um we don't have like this crazy uh system in place it's more kind of fluid with what we uh need to do in a given kind of sprint or a given time period um but yeah, I mean, over time, all that stuff will become like even at our last company, like those things become much more formalized as you grow. We're we're eight people right. right now, right? So it's not like we're huge yet. Our last company got to around like forty or fifty, and so when, right. when you get up to that level, yeah, like there's like a whole person that's just doing this all day, you know? Yeah. So so, but right now, so you're recording this, and then you see you meet up once a week. You talk about the feedback you're getting. You make the decisions, or do you have any way that you're scoring and keeping track? Because, for example, let's say that I approach you once with a request, then I approach you for the fifth time with different things, right? Meaning that I'm like, I'm retained, I'm a passionate user, and obviously, like, I'm, I'm asking things that I care about versus first time approacher, right? You say you treat it differently with a person who approached you the first time and person who approaches like the fifth time with a fifth topic or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. So, do you keep track of it in any way, or do well, yeah, you just, like, like everything is? Uh, everything, yeah, everything has a ticket. So essentially, we're reviewing a lot every week. Um, but like because we're a small team and we've been, we're also keyed in. We actually kind of like have a good handle on the major kind of things that are getting asked. And and to be honest, like it hasn't. We've kind of gotten. We're getting close to a point where there aren't like tons and tons of different requests. So right, like so people, mostly like people ask the same thing. Yeah, it's like kind of yeah. like there's like maybe five or six different areas of things that we can kind of focus on, and then we just have to right. go through them and decide whether or not we work on it. So, um, 
I want to go to a different direction, actually. Um, because obviously for you guys, what's working best is word of mouth in terms of marketing and user acquisition mm-hmm. right now. Um, in any, like in what you said, you just launched like a referral program, but were you looking into how do we, um, optimize or how we, do we scale word of mouth beforehand? Before, oh no, I mean, this has all been totally natural. And so then we've been thinking about it and I think the referral program is the first kind of attempt at that. Um, right. But yeah, we're starting yeah. to now say, okay, like, let's just like try to increase this. I mean, like the simple thing we do is like, we just ask people to tell their friends if we have a successful interaction with them on support. Right. And that actually, exactly. people don't think to do things like that unless you tell them a lot of times too, which is kind of funny. Right. I'm, I'm just thinking about Sean, uh, Sean Alice at the time of Dropbox where he said, they they were so focusing on the referral program that they've built because they saw that the biggest acquisition channel they had is word of mouth. And then he said, okay, if it's working so well, people like to recommend us so well. Uh, how do I um, make this a part of my product? How do I emphasize the recommendation part? How do I scale that? So if we have like, I don't know, 500 people recommending us a day, how do we make it easier or, or incentivize our users to recommend us 5,000 times a day? And I was wondering if you ever guys went through that phase. I uh, think, okay, this is working out really well for us. People like talking about us. How do we help them in a systematic way or in a more um, structured way to promote us better? Oh, yeah. So that's like, um, that's a good question. For We released it last week. So we're thinking about it and starting it now. So I think like as we go, it's going to mature a lot over the next month or two but yeah we're, we're definitely looking into that stuff now right so up until now it was just like it was working really well the amount of users you were getting uh was sufficient for what you guys were looking for and you were just like really focused hands down on improving product that's how you see it yeah i would say so i mean we've definitely tried some things here and there but at the end of the day um you know the the user referrals have just been the best thing and um and we've still been building, you know, building the product out a lot more. Right. I'm looking at Jonathan's face as he he's like he's like thinking. <laughs> I was thinking of how to basically sum the concept of of creating these referrals, like the natural ones, not the referral program, but creating these people who are ambassadors. And I think that when we look at it, the companies that we're we're usually talking to or surrounded with, a lot of that um just human interaction has kind of disappeared and it's kind of like i think it's blowing my mind a little bit of how like how it works and how you guys are doing it because again as you said you guys are not i mean again as as you said the the you know it looks like it's more than two years um but at the same time you're not you know running after every user going crazy like you know having to like appease some investor and you're able to actually still communicate and connect with users and have them become your ambassadors and have them talk about you and have them want to talk about you, which is really, really impressive. Um, no, so it's just, uh, I, I just was thinking about that. Sorry about that. Cool. No, no, thanks. <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, it, it, we can't do it the same way forever, but kind of as we grow, you can turn things, you can, you can scale out these yeah, efforts. You can already ways. see that, like, I'd say when you're at five years, or eight years, you'll turn back and go, 
oh, how do we get back to that point where we're just talking to people? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. People are letting us know what they like about the product and we're telling them what we're going to do and how we're going to do it for them. And just people who are calling us up and saying, hey, we'd like to mention your product and this thing. Is there anything you can give away to people rather than turn around and say, pay me money so I talk about you on my Instagram <laughs> yeah. channel? So this is like a very, it's a very nice I, th- I think it's, a, I don't think it's size. I think it's an approach. You know what? I Like I'm thinking with one of my clients, they were used to pay tons of money to influencers and other blogs to create sponsored content there and sponsor podcasts, stuff like that. They would spend a lot of money on doing that. And one of the things that I did with them was just saying, guys, you're such, they're a huge company. I'm going to say names because like I'm giving out their tactics, but you're a huge company in a manner that any blog or podcast would love to have you as guests just because, you know, you're one of those premium brands that everybody wants to get like hands on an interview. Stop paying for all these things. And, you know, if your brand is valued enough, people want to hear your story. That's what I think is working. Like, that, that's just a different approach. I don't think it's just a matter of company size. Like, think about it. If you had now somebody from Salesforce wanting to do the podcast, you wouldn't turn around and say, wait, 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 you didn't pay me. No, you want their information. Yeah, like you want them to be on your show, right? Mm-hmm. So even if you're an influencer, you want to sh- you want to see that you have a relationship with Salesforce if they pitch you the right thing. If the person who approaches you is the guy from who does partnerships, is like, hey, we want to sponsor you or we want to do ads, you'll take their money. You'll go through the ad routes. No, but in this situation, we're we're interviewing, you know, you uh, because we are a, a marketing podcast. And you are providing fantastic marketing tools for podcasts. Right. So that's a very interesting thing for us. But if I'm turning around to a lot of other places, like, uh, like Squarespace sponsoring, you know, when someone uh, just has a funny so podcast, if I, were you, yeah. I don't know how they're going to bring someone from, you know, from yeah, Squarespace yeah, onto no, the yeah, podcast. That makes, sense. that makes sense. But I'm just saying like, and it might be the people you want to have. Um, right. But yeah, no, yeah, yeah, I was, I was about, too focused on marketing for marketing. No, 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 I'm just saying like, I'm talking about the more like the technical side of like having to create growth in a way that's in some way detached from human beings. And we, we actually spoke today to someone who was explaining to us how, you know, the, the successful companies is about data and having data and reading into the data and then going through numbers, let's say one, two, three, four, and getting back to emotions and, and decisions and movements. No, I, I think you're kind of skewing what he said. I know. Say, I'm, okay, maybe I'm skewing it a little bit. I'm just saying. In I some mean, way, we definitely use you know, a lot of data. It's just that we talk to people to get it. Yeah, but it seems yeah. like a lot of the motivation and movements that you make are based on the people that you talk to. I mean, also the, to the amount of podcasts you're you're talking to, just you know, or that you've been talking to, or that you have a connection with. That's phenomenal. I don't know if people, when they come into a company later on, when your company grows to a massive size, if they're going to have the time or even the the will to go and do that, which is wrong. Every company needs to have that. The ones that we were really impressed. I would by. say it's company structure. If you look at like Monday.com, huge company right now. I think I personally did with Shirley from their team about eight or ten different product interviews where she came to meet us at our agency. And she basically, we went through how we work with the product. I asked her for features, and and they're huge by now. It's it's I think it's how you you no no of course structure your company. It's something, but it's it's something to aspire to. It's not necessarily something that every company yeah. finds easy to do. Yeah. We spoke to Ways, and Ways were saying that their community 
the way that they talk. We're, we're just catching you up with everybody yeah, who sorry. in the podcast. <laughs> well, no, just, this is a very <laughs> That's interesting like, thing. We, we, you know, we came into this podcast saying, okay, we're going to talk about this company. We really love it. It looks really cool. It's been doing great stuff. We used it um, and then using it. And and now I think like from the information we've got from you, I'm actually very, I, I think it's very cool. I think it's very, no, like, I agree. I, I, I think it's like an artisan market marketing style. Like it's like something that we used to do that we kind of disappear. And well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, my first kind of thing, you know, right out of college, actually, I was, um, I was in a rock band and I promoted that. And so when you're promoting like a local indie rock band, like you start out kind of trying to get kids that, you know, like, kids at local schools that like rock music to put on shows to then promote you and kind of become like a like an informal street team kind of like building right. fans right so it's kind of the same approach here where it's just like if you make you know you get your 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 real fans in the beginning then from there you can kind of start making all the the next moves and i i think for us like we're just at that stage where that's still what we're doing we're still trying to just keep building all these great fans and sure like as we grow things will change uh, for sure right I, I want to kind of, because I know we're running out of time, I kind of want to summarize a few things that I find are really good insights. Like if somebody's building their company right now or marketing their startup right now, I think some insights are really important. One, there's a lot of listening going around. So you pivoted based on like what you saw people were doing. Uh, you talk to your users a lot, so you kind of listen to what they want from you. That's how you kind of perfect the product into product market fit. And actually making this into a easily, um, again, I'm saying the word easy. It's never easy. Uh, easy to uh, share in terms of word of mouth. I mean, you've created a product around making it better for your users. So, you know, if somebody's really happy with a product, it's easier for them to share it and talk and, and kind of talk to people about it. Uh, so, And that's one interesting point. There's a lot of listening and, and basically as we started the conversation with like fast feedback loops, which mm-hmm. I think is very, very crucial. Second thing is that you guys really saw a niche that was coming in that was kind of starting to grow. And I, you, you at the beginning, I don't remember if it was like on the show or a few minutes before even, uh, Jonathan asked you about uh, about different companies that we know that are doing stuff that are in that area. And you said very, very, you were very focused and you say we create, uh, we, we, our platform helps our podcast create, podcasters create marketing uh, assets, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, marketing materials for them. And this is interesting because the companies who you can say use kind of the same technology, let's say, or maybe the end result might kind of look similar, right? They would go into, we do Facebook ads, we do this, we do this. And, and you guys really found a niche and you're telling your story throughout the niche and you're building relationships throughout the niche. And that's uh, a really good, commu- and, and that's why I think one of your biggest growth engines is your community the community around what you do uh, is because it, this commu- is a, it's a still very small community, uh, relevantly speaking, mm-hmm. relatively speaking. And once you kind of get hyped a little bit of your product in that community and you're focused on it, it's easier to, to grow there because you're not scattered all over the place. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that focus and, and let's say avoiding temptation of saying, Hey, this product can actually also do X, Y, Z but staying on course of the vision or the story, I think that's also very, very important. Yeah. Uh, if somebody's listening out and is trying to get some insights or, or really kind of uh, key lessons, I think, uh, from this conversation. 
And I think that the one-on-ones and, and I think the building relationships in order to kind of build the product, I think that's a major key insights that I think a lot of marketers are, I want to say happily don't do really fast. Like they, they stop doing that really, really fast. And I think it's a huge mistake. And I think that your story uh, kind of proves that that's the right thing to do. Like speak to as many people as you can uh, and engage with your audience as much as possible. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Uh, do you, uh, Johnson, do you have any insights that you want to add? Anything you... No, I, I think this was phenomenal. It was very, very interesting. Um, I want to thank you, Oliver, for being on the podcast and taking yeah. the time. Uh, cool. Yeah, thanks. So yeah. I, I think I think the journey to product market fit is super interesting and complex. Uh, and thank you for sharing it. I think it's, that's like the hard stage. You know, a lot of companies don't like to share. Yeah, and everyone has their own way of doing it. You know, it's a summer degree. Um, you, you know, there's different ways, but other people can kind of, you know, some people get really lucky and just kind of find it right away and get huge very fast. Um, but most of us, it takes time. <laughs> uh, is, there, is there any kind of story that company you just find its traction really fast? There's I, I don't think. Maybe no, it's just a I, myth. Maybe it is just a myth. I don't know. I, I, mean, I think it's, it's just a myth. It's just something they read online to make people feel shitty. Yeah, yeah like I feel like like Slack has been around since 2008, if I'm not mistaken. Twitter has been like Twitter didn't find its stride for like six years. Twitter was a podcasting app at the beginning. Yeah, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I didn't know and, that. And it took them six years to well, no, they pivoted. I think in 2007 or eight, but it took them before iPhone 4 came out. Twitter could not grow. Literally, this product would not be able to find like product market fit before mobile phones and like tweeting from mobile phones was really comfortable. I think mm-hmm. you just saved me because I actually have this thing in my head that I remember coming across Twitter and saying, I can just write a certain amount of characters. I can do this on Facebook. Well, this company's going to fail. And I've always felt like an idiot because I'm like, how did you mess up? How did you not recognize that? And now you're saying, hey, you know, yeah. without the right phone and the right time and the right thing, you probably wouldn't have worked. Dude, LinkedIn has been around since 2002. LinkedIn yeah, but LinkedIn hasn't Facebook. changed since 2000. No. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No. They stopped changing when Microsoft bought them. Uh, never mind. <laughs> They're doing a lot of video now, I actually would mention. Yeah, but that's the, and that's yeah, actually surprising. That. A lot of people are... Um, a lot of the people doing their podcast promos, uh, making videos for LinkedIn from Headliner, are doing yeah. very well, and, and they get great. I would like to thank yeah, you, all kind of surprising. Yeah. I mentioned that to Roy a couple of times. Yeah, Jonathan <laughs> is pushing me towards LinkedIn more and more. Yeah, yeah I mean, because if you're we, not we're doing it, I mean, why even have a podcast? Yeah, I'm not giving you shit because I, 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 I think. It. I think that was the exact quote Jonathan actually said. So yeah. that was, <laughs> it just resonated really well. It was right, yeah. right in the heart. <laughs> right in the heart. Sorry. Yeah. Just the knife. Yeah. Uh, Oliver, thank you so much for joining us. This has been a huge pleasure. Uh, and I, if I'm not mistaken, then uh, our audience might be even getting some uh, codes to use Headliner yep. Pro, right? Yeah, so definitely. Can... Cool. So we'll give you some more info this uh, about this uh, right away. And, of course, in the show notes. Oliver, thank you so much for joining us. Huge pleasure. Um, and we'll talk soon. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. It was great. Bye. Bye. You just finished another episode of Strike Gold with Jonathan Cotton and Roy Bavarczyk. And if you're a marketer, you know what comes up next. Subscribe to the podcast. Leave a comment. Share with a colleague. Share with a spouse. Share with your grandma. 
Um, check out the show notes. Yeah, the show notes are great on season two, right? We've boosted it to another level. Yeah, it's more than show notes. It's a love note to our podcast uh, interviewees. And don't forget, we love you. 